This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. How's everybody's week going? It's a busy week for Heritage Distilling, that's for sure, right, Justin? What's going on with you guys? It is. We've been fortunate that we've been able to enjoy beautiful weather all week, yeah. uh, hitting up into the 70s this week here in the Northwest, and it's a sign that spring is around the corner. We're very happy for that. Ready. And uh, today, Saturday, we're taking a quick break after this show to go back to Ballard. We uh, opened the doors for the first time to the public today. Uh, we didn't make an official announcement because we're doing some uh, test runs and training staff on interactions with the customers but we are open if you want to come down we'll be open until about six o'clock tonight and then we're going to be open all week until six and then our grand opening ribbon cutting will be on may 12th wow amazing i saw some pictures on twitter and it looks really really cool i can't wait to check it out it's going to be cool it's an intimate little space the tasting room itself is only about a thousand square feet We've got quite a few slots for casks for people who want to join the cask club. Uh, we're going to have full service sampling bar. And then uh, the still and all of our bottling equipment is on display through a beautiful big glass window. And lots of other stuff in the back production-wise. So we're excited and happy to be in Ballard. And we hope people like the investment we're making in the neighborhood. Since you guys are so much about local community and being involved in the neighborhood, what's the most rewarding part of, of opening a new spot like this? Well, what's rewarding specifically in Ballard is the Norwegian heritage, the fishing heritage. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, my wife, her family is all from Norway. And so to be able to open up a distillery in the heart of kind of the Norwegian flag where it's been planted in Seattle uh, brings it full circle for her family. So it's exciting to watch the excitement in the family's (laughs) discussions about being in Ballard, especially with the new Norwegian Heritage Museum that's opening just a few blocks down the street, which is huge, beautiful. It's all coming together and uh, we're very thankful. Very cool. In the meantime, also a busy week in the industry. What else is going on in the headlines? Well, headlines, first one question is, should cocktails be served on tap? And I know Mara was a (laughs) bartender for many years. So Mara, what's your opinion on whether or not cocktails should be served on tap? (laughs) It works for me, but I don't know if I was ever the kind of bartender that loved my craft so much that, you know, I was a purist. (laughs) Like I noticed that there's a a bartender in, in this story about cocktails on tap that says the pina colada is their favorite drink to make and they they think that that should be made fresh and uh, i always uh, if people ask me my favorite drink to make i would say like a coors light yeah <laughs> let me just pop this cap off for you i, I don't want to bust out the blender right. yeah but you're the right are blue then think exactly then there are other people who do view themselves as it's like working in coffee where they call themselves foam artists you know there are people that view it from the entire opposite end where they're they take that huge pride in their craft so that is yes. pretty interesting it is, yeah. This article has uh, the pro and con perspective. They interview a bartender and owner at a place in London called Duck and a Waffle. <laughs> and they talk about how they've moved to having a large selection of cocktails on tap. And he talks about how it cut the waste by half a percent 
he was able to reduce his payroll by about 2% a month because of the extra uh, time he was taking out of the making of those cocktails. And he was able to increase his margin by a full percent. So at the end of the day, he said the speed with which we can get the drinks to the customers and the fact that we're making money and saving costs justifies it. Interesting. On the other side, another bartender from Smoke and Mirrors, exactly as Mara said, talked about the uh, pina colada. And I would agree, putting a pina colada in a keg on tap won't work because you're going to lose the iciness and slushiness of having a freshly blended uh, or coming out of one of those blender machines. Likewise, if you have another cocktail where you have a fresh mint or something else where you want to mash it, macerate it to some other kind of uh, treatment, if it sits in the keg too long, that particular flavor will be extracted out with the alcohol and, and over flavor and cause the cocktail to become imbalanced. So I think if you're going to do cocktails, they have to be specific to mm -hmm. a kind of cocktail that can last in the keg and where your dilution stays in the right ratio and doesn't change as the ingredients sit together. It'll be interesting to see how bartenders feel about this too, if this becomes a bigger thing, because I, I wonder how tipping would change if people are getting their beverages faster or feel like there is no, say, person or face behind their beverage. They might feel like they don't need to tip as much. And maybe in Europe, that's not as big of a deal as it would be here in America where tipping is more of a thing. But I'd be curious to see how bartenders feel about, about that reaction because taking money out of their pockets, obviously it's great the bottom line for the bar, but uh, difficult for the bartenders themselves. Maybe. Well, I think in today's restaurant environment, such a small percentage of the customers sit at the bar. Mm -hmm. A huge percentage of the customers are sitting at tables elsewhere in the bar or at the restaurant. And most of them won't know that the cocktail that was just served to them was drawn off a tap. They're just going to want to know, did it come in a timely fashion? Uh, does it taste great? Does it taste fresh? And is it fairly priced? And I think they're going to continue to tip the way they always would based on overall service and quality of the entire enterprise, not just how the cocktail's made. Because if you look at drawing a beer off a tap versus popping the top off a bottle or open the can, I don't know that that affects tipping one way or another. Yeah, very true. So elsewhere in the news, uh, it's time to plan for upcoming holidays, including Mother's Day. And the big drink of choice around Mother's Day is what? Mimosas. Mimosas, yeah. Anything champagne-based. Mm -hmm. So mimosas, bellinis, anything like that. So writer Natalie Wang interviewed folks from Moet and Chandon, who it's a huge global champagne brand. And the article is entitled, Champagne Pairs Best with French Fries. Ah, and genius, uh, this article talks about, <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> this article talks about some of the great things you can pair with champagne that don't usually follow the traditions and norms that we're used to. One of them is champagne with French fries. As long as you have a little bit of salt, it will attract saliva to form on your tongue and open up and allow the champagne to hit a better flavor profile across your tongue. Uh, she talks about wok fried lobster with uh, moral mushrooms and asparagus and talks about how to pair oysters with champagne, which is not something that is done in the morning, usually done in the evening, because you're not usually having oysters in the morning. Now, the rule we're going to break for that is, of course, Mother's Day brunch. So champagne starting off uh, 10 in the morning, uh, <laughs> if you're like my mother-in-law, 7 a.m., um, <laughs> But uh, 10 a.m. through about 2, beautiful day outside, fresh oysters, lots of champagne, maybe juices to mix into the champagne, uh, and at Mara's house, a fresh batch <laughs> of French fries. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Definitely. Yeah, Mora and I discussed what our dream festivals would be a while ago on the show. We talked to the 
um, CEO of Bottle Rock and that great festival they've got going on in the Napa Valley area. And so we came up with our own designs and they sort of fall into this category. Mine was uh, French 75s and French fries. That would just be featured all different types of French fries and French 75s and more. was great too. Mine was seafood and champagne. So yeah, we talked right about up the, our alley. the walk fried lobster and champagne. So yeah, this is us. Perfect. <laughs> and lastly, uh, an article quickly here about why hyper-focused wine clubs are on the rise. And uh, talking about the extent to which people are joining wine clubs that have very limited production. And uh, they're going to great lengths to get these very small batch wines shipped to them. This is a big part of the industry. Wine clubs drive, in some cases, almost 70% of the revenue for wineries. And you don't go to the grocery store to find these labels. They're only available exclusively through the winery and through the wine clubs. And uh, it's something that's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And it's, it is one of the saving graces of the small family winery is their ability to have these direct-to-consumer wine clubs because it allows them to market and sell directly and build that profile of repeat customer that is buying wine on a quarterly basis. Well, we mentioned it there, Mother's Day. That's just one of many great holidays coming up, many great holidays that involve beverages. We'll discuss that next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cows Club Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Now, Mother's Day is coming up here pretty soon. We talked a little bit about it and how champagne should be heavily involved, hopefully, in your household. But there's also a number of other cool holidays that are either happening today or right around the corner, including, let's start off with this one because hopefully there's a few Star Wars nerds in the house. May the 4th. That is one of my favorite holidays. Star Wars Day. It's May a big, the 4th be May, with you. Yes. May the 4th be with you. Uh, big day also now. They adopted it at Safeco Field and everywhere across Major League Baseball. The new Star Wars movie is coming out on May 25th. Han Solo, that's just sort of, I think it might just be called Solo. It's just a look at his telling his story. It's a little bit of a prequel to the Star Wars uh, franchise, which I'm excited about. Do you guys celebrate May the 4th be with you? I do not. We oh. celebrate at the distillery. We <laughs> Good. Do. Yeah. yeah. Good. We get our lightsabers he- out and have little competitions. <laughs> I love it. Is there a cocktail specifically to go along with May the 4th? We do. We came up with the Wookie Teeny, and uh, it requires some of our vanilla vodka, some of our coffee vodka, chocolate sauce, and caramel sauce. And uh, we shake the vodkas together, pour them in a martini glass with ice, and the uh, glass already has some chocolate sauce drizzled across it. And uh, then we swirl some caramel sauce across the top of the, the drink and serve it up in a martini glass. Ooh, nice. Lydia, you asked us, do you celebrate May the 4th be with you? Oh, absolutely. I will probably maybe be in costume at the at the Mariners game. Don't worry about it. You can get your Han Sego <laughs> bobblehead at the same time. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a huge loser. You know this about me, Maura. No. That's good. Also coming up, Cinco de Mayo. And, yeah, the next day. The next day. So when you're done celebrating and you wake up the next morning, uh, Lydia with a hangover, um, <laughs> you're going to have... A little hair of the dog. We're going to have probably a Bloody Mary. But we have something, a twist on the margarita. We call it our blood orange vodkarita. And it uses blood orange vodka, Cointreau, fresh lime juice, uh, some little agave syrup, some fresh lemon juice, and some fresh orange juice. So it's like making a margarita, but using blood orange vodka instead of tequila. Absolutely. Um. Now, it may be 
a popular misconception out there, but it always irritates my dad since we're we're Mexican that people think this is Mexico's Independence Day and it's not. It's mostly an American holiday, but it doesn't matter. We can still celebrate other good things and just the fact that we want to get together and have fun on this day. Of course. It's become an excellent tool to market a lot of Corona sales. Yes, <laughs> definitely for sure. Yeah. Also on May 5th this year is the Kentucky Derby. It's the 144th annual running of that tremendous race. And this year, the purse is $2 million, 20 horses. It's known as the most exciting two minutes in sports or the fastest two minutes in sports. I tend to think that uh, that was reserved for when Mike Tyson was boxing, uh, but now it's what we call the Kentucky Derby. And of course, the most famous drink that's served at the Kentucky Derby, besides bourbon, is the mint julep. Mm, yes, absolutely. I feel like I need a large hat while I drink my mint julep. Yes. One of the stylish Kentucky Yes, Derby that's hats. appropriate. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the mint julep is a classic drink. Um, it, it's served in a silver mint julep cup I that's love those specific cups. yeah and i ha- have a lot of friends who have their own mint julep cup that they will bring to parties and Ooh. if they ask for a drink they will reuse their own cup and take it home <laughs> uh, so you start off with a teaspoon of powdered sugar two ounces of bourbon four mint leaves a couple teaspoons of water and uh, you want to mix up the uh, mint gently muddled put the powdered sugar in and the water put really finely crushed ice the smaller the crushed ice the better and then you pour the bourbon over the ice and uh, stir it until the glass gets frosted. Ooh, sounds wonderful. Did you guys know that there's probably going to be a horse in the Kentucky Derby this year named Gronkowski after the Patriots tight end? That's impressive. And he actually no. bought a minority share in this horse. He was really excited about it. He <laughs> thinks it's a winner. And then apparently it's had a little bit of a setback and now they're not positive it's going to be able to run in the Kentucky Derby. So, Oh, no. We'll see. I mean, Gronkowski, the person's a little injury prone himself. I was going to say that echoes his own physical career, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll find out next week. Maybe they both retire this year. Yes. <laughs> and then coming up on May 17th for the folks in Ballard and really any Norwegian folks is... Norwegian Constitution Day, and the most appropriate way to celebrate that would be to get a highly rated or uh, excellent premium Akavit, uh, which is uh-huh. a Norwegian liqueur, and uh, pour it over ice and drink it. I've never tried that. What is it like? It has, uh, it's like a gin, but no juniper berries, oh. and instead has uh, caraway and uh, fennel distilled into it. So it has a very unique flavor profile, and if it's made well, it tastes really, really good. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds Coming nice. from a gin lover, but it sounds like that perfect, not totally medicinal taste, but it sounds really good. Yeah, it's amazing. Speaking of holidays and reasons to celebrate, the Kentucky Derby is just a week away now. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we talk to Tom Harris, the Emerald Downs racetrack and casino announcer, about not only this special event, holiday, what it means uh, for horse racing, but also the great events that they've got going on at Emerald Downsbury. It's all next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for being here, hanging out with us. The Kentucky Derby is one of the biggest events in sports, the longest running events in sports, and it's just right around the corner, a week away. And so we have a very special guest, Tom Harris, 
the track announcer at Emerald Downs and Casino here to talk with us about that special event and what they've got going on out at Emerald Downs. We have a lot going on, uh, Lydia. The gates are going to open 30 minutes before the first simulcast event of the day, Ooh. and it all gets underway uh, really early on Kentucky Derby because they're operating uh, on the uh, – the other side of the country so it'll be a little earlier out here but fans will be able to come out they'll be able to watch and wager on all the action from churchill downs in louisville it's the 144th running of the kentucky derby and uh, it's you know being here at emerald downs it's the next best thing to being there For someone who maybe isn't as familiar with the Kentucky Derby or why it's such a special event, why why is it such a special event? Well, it's it's uh, known as the most exciting two minutes in sports, (laughs) and uh, you know the fact that they've been doing this for 144 years now is pretty remarkable. I don't know, you know, we don't have a 144 uh, of anything in the sports world that I can think of right off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, they're, they're going to have a great Kentucky Derby buffet here at the track as well. You know, just to add to the, the atmosphere, it'll be great food, and uh, people are welcome to call Emerald Downs if they want to uh, make reservations for that. You know, one of the fun things that they do every year is the ladies hat contest and uh, you will be amazed at the the hats and and their fabulous uh, decorations and everything i mean people go all out for this and there will be several winners because there's several different categories and so the winners will take home gift cards what has been one of the more creative designs you've seen in the past because yeah i know that we've seen some pretty incredible hats associated with the Kentucky Derby in the past, but what's one that you've seen in the in your contest? You know, I thought one of the neatest hats I've seen anywhere in, uh, you know, and I've been doing this for well over 30 years, a lady wore a hat that had horses, actually little tiny horses, running <laughs> around the rim of her hat. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I get, you know, uh, battery operated somehow these little horse figures wow. were were going all the way around her hat under the finish wire and that uh, i mean it lasted for a long time it was pretty incredible wow i hope she took home a prize for that one i think she did should have should have won the whole thing yeah. i would think <laughs> so tom t- lydia and i both have not been out to emerald downs for a race it's definitely on our list now can you tell us a little bit more just about the the races there in general Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, along, of course, with the Kentucky Derby simulcast where fans watch and wager on that, we'll have our live race action on that day. It gets underway at 2 p.m., and uh, we can uh, also offer the opportunity for fans to go to our website, emeralddowns.com. They can find out the entire schedule, everything that's going on. We have special events every single weekend. There's just a whole lot happening here. Uh, but the live racing experience is a tremendous one. Anyone that's never been to the races, this is an absolute must. Uh, I mean, it's just a wonderful atmosphere. And as I mentioned on Derby Day, we'll have a 2 p.m live post time for for our race action and we have an exciting new wager this year it is the uh, 20 cent jackpot pick seven you pick seven consecutive winners towards the end of the uh, program and you take home the jackpot so uh, that jackpot continues to build if nobody correctly selects all seven Ooh, what is since we are sort of a food and beverage 
theme show. What is what is one of your favorite things, whether it's to eat or to drink while you're at the races or the Kentucky Derby watching that specifically? You know, I don't think we can talk about Kentucky Derby without mentioning mint juleps. Of course. You know, mint juleps are the absolute official uh, beverage of the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, uh, here at Emerald Downs and at uh, all the participating racetracks around the country, fans will also get to take home the commemorative uh, Kentucky Derby glasses. The mint juleps are oftentimes served in the uh, commemorative glasses. Some places the the, the glasses come separate. But either way, it's a wonderful item to take home, you know, to remember your special day at the Kentucky Derby. Well, that sounds great, Tom. Uh, you yourself have an amazing story, an interesting story, and it is I'm a huge fan of of baseball, and we're in baseball season right now. You have some experience in your past working uh, in baseball, m- both the minor leagues and with the Chicago Cubs, right in spring training. That well, that's right. Yeah, you're going you're going back to the '80s now. That's one of the first jobs I had. In fact, the first job I ever had in public address announcing was. Uh, with the Chicago Cubs during spring training. I was with them from 1981 through the beginning of 1989, and then I went on into horse uh, horse racing. But, yeah, that's that's very true. Got to meet a lot of wonderful people. Met Billy Martin. Uh, Dallas Green was a man that uh, uh, was the general manager during much of the time that I spent with the Cubs. Um, he was a wonderful uh, man to work with. Harry Carey sat right next to me many, many wow. times. and. You know, Harry was the real deal. Uh, yeah. What what you saw is what you got with Harry Carey. And, uh, you know, the the list goes on. Met a, a, a number of just uh, Hall of Famers and wonderful people, and they were great folks. Lou Boudreaux, uh, just a, a wonderful human being, and uh, the great people at WGN. Yeah, I, that was a tremendous experience. That's pretty magical. What made you want to make the transition to, to horse announcing? Because that's a really interesting jump. Kind of a big swing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'd always been uh, a fan of horse racing growing up. My my dad owned a couple of racehorses way back in the 60s. And uh, so we, you know, were always around the sport uh, and always fans of the sport and it just it's this is one of those things that gets into your blood i can tell you that it's just a it's a passion uh, a lifelong passion and uh, so i've been doing it uh, closing in on 40 years i've been doing this wow. for 37 years so wouldn't want to do anything else or is this i mean is this the dream job that you've always wanted i th- i think so yes <laughs> uh, you know you always say, gosh, if you had it to do all over again, would you do something else? I, I don't know the answer to that, whether I would or not, because I, the times change. I came along at a time uh, racing was still very much in its heyday, and it's it's making a big resurgence now. And so, uh, you know, I've seen it at its peaks and valleys, and, uh, you know, uh, th- this has been such a tremendous uh, experience meeting wonderful people in this industry and I, and I certainly uh, have no regrets about that but you know if you if you're asking uh, you know would you have a a chance to do something else in life I guess there's always uh, the thought that you know hey maybe next time around I'll I would do this <laughs> so I'm yeah. I'm not real sure to be honest with you I don't know seems like a pretty incredible place to land and uh and yeah. and a fun event that you're going to be part of this week for how how many years have you been doing this event? 
Well, the Kentucky Derby, you know, uh, I've been at a number of different places. It seems like uh, that you're always working. Uh, you know, if you're in the racing industry, uh, you're always working on Kentucky Derby because that's one of the single largest days of the year, no matter where you're at. I spent a, quite a number of years in Texas, and, uh, you know, the simulcast of the Kentucky Derby is just a big festive day. So ever since I've been in racing, uh, horse racing, I started in 87. I'd called some Greyhound races prior to that, but even at the Greyhound parks, uh, a lot of them would simulcast the Kentucky Derby as well. It was, it's just one of those events that, that goes on and on. And, um, it's, it's a, it's the pageantry. It's the, the, the number one race in our, in our sport. And so you're going to be involved in it if, if you're going to be in this business. I, I did a deal with ESPN last year uh, at ESPN.com where they brought out the fast photo imaging process that they showed off last year and the coverage for that. And so it was an honor to be able to participate with ESPN and the, do the broadcast for the Kentucky Derby last year uh, with that new technology. It was really cool. That is really impressive. So how about this year? Are there any tips that you can give us ahead of the race, whether it's just a quick preview of this year's Kentucky Derby? You know, I was afraid you were going to ask that. (laughs) Uh, This is a, you know, it's a very interesting field. I don't see the, you know, the cut and dried big standout favorite like we've seen in many years past. And I quite honestly have not made up my mind yet who, who I really like to win the race yet. I'm still going to wait a few more days, I think. But, you know, Justify was an impressive winner down at uh, Santa Anita in the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, Boltioro was uh, right there. And, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, talent coming into the Kentucky Derby this year. So I'm going to hang tough just a little while and uh, see how the post positions pan out and take a good look at everybody in the race. I love it, Tom. Well, thank you for getting us excited for Kentucky Derby and this great event that you guys are hosting out at Emerald Downs. Well, you're quite welcome. Uh, We hope to see you all out here. Thank you so much to Tom Harris for taking the time to chat with us today. Make sure to check out the Emerald Downs Kentucky Derby simulcast that they've got going on out there next weekend. Up next on Cast Club Radio, this this episode's been all about things that we love to celebrate. Well, it's a holiday that speaks right to my nerd heart. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Club Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this fine Saturday. It's been a day of many holidays we've talked about today, including one of my favorites happening today. It's National Superhero Day, you guys. And my inner nerd becomes my outer nerd. Actually, I'm not sure if I have an inner nerd or if it's just outer nerd, but I'm pretty excited about this day. (laughs) Who's your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? When I see you, Lydia, nerd does not pop into my head. Really? Oh, man. Yeah, well, I've maybe grown out of it a little bit since high school, but it was pretty bad back then. Uh, Favorite superhero, I love Scarlet Witch, but I'm a huge fan. He didn't have a huge part in the X-Men movies, if you guys have seen those, but Darwin from X-Men was always one of my favorites, probably because I'm a little bit of a science nerd, but his superpower was, or ability was reactive evolution, which meant that any sort of environment 
he was in, he could adapt to it, which I think nice. is just the coolest thing. So essentially he can never die because let's say that you threw him underwater, he would grow gills or you like put him in a place where there was no oxygen. He would learn how to survive without it. I just always thought that was such a unique, cool superpower, <laughs> superhero power. That do you guys have, cool. do you guys Feels have like an octopus? You <laughs> <laughs> just basically could adapt to any situation possible. What uh, did you guys, if any, have a favorite superhero? I always liked Wonder Woman. I don't think I ever did growing up. No, no, not not Superman, one. Batman. None How about that? your kids these days? Uh, these days, my kids not. When I grew up, I uh, watched a lot of Alex P. Keaton on Family Ties. Nice. And that was about the extent of, of somebody that I followed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I was also a nerd. That, okay, that's fair. We're, this is a safe space for nerds. Maura, how about you? You said you said Wonder Woman? Yeah, I, I remember going as her for Halloween one year when I was younger. Heck yes. Um, one of those old, remember those costumes that were just like a plastic one you would pull over and then it had a plastic mask? It was just, yes. uh, it was very cheap. Yeah. But then I actually went as her again later in life because with the bar I worked at did a theme one year of superheroes and villains. So I went as Wonder Woman again as an adult. So Good for you. She's my favorite. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's interesting that movie this year came out not only the Wonder Woman movie, but at the same time, the movie that's supposed to be like a biopic about the history of Wonder Woman, how, the origins of Wonder Woman. And uh, it's kind of risque and oh, kind really? of impressive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll just end the, it there. What was the actress's name that played her in the show? Linda, um, Linda Carter. Oh, right? back at old school, yeah. She was gorgeous. Beautiful. And Gal, <laughs> G- Gal Gadot is the current Wonder Woman and she's she's gorgeous as well everyone loved that new Wonder Woman movie I haven't seen it it's really good Maura since you are the (laughs) resident visible airplane yeah I know that was a pretty unique addition (laughs) what do you think is the worst superhero ooh there's there's or what is in your mind (laughs) there's a couple what was the Ben Affleck one Ben Affleck's Daredevil was really bad oh we can talk about just acting plain acting performances I think yeah Ben Affleck, in general, should not be allowed to be a superhero. <laughs> He's also the worst version of Batman, I think, that has yeah. happened. And that's saying something, because you've had some questionable choices there in the middle with Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer. But I think that, yeah, uh, Ben Affleck just shouldn't be a superhero. I'm sorry, unfortunately. I think some of the worst, what would be the worst superpower that you think you'd have? Like, oh, great, I don't need this. This isn't helpful <laughs> at all. Like, like Acne Man? Do you- <laughs> Yeah. This this reminds me of uh, what should be a Saturday Night Live skit of all the superheroes who didn't quite make the cut. Yeah. And uh, they're all around a bar lamenting the fact that nobody wants their superhero power to be portrayed in a comic book or in a TV show. That would be an awesome skit. I do like that. Just sort of like the superhero rejects. Yeah, that's right. Captain Punctuality. He's everywhere on time. (laughs) (laughs) That's not that cool. No, it's not. Well, our cocktail for the week, we already kind of mentioned in the last segment, we're talking Kentucky Derby, but Justin, you had a little more of the history behind the mint julep, right? Yeah, we found an interesting quote from the 1908 Chicago Tribune article, and uh, Lexington's Samuel Judson is quoted as saying this, take a silver cup, always a silver cup, fill it with ice, pulverized to the fineness of snow, bruise one tender little leaf of mint and stick it in the ice. Then dissolve a spoonful of sugar in, add about three quarters of a Kentucky drink of good whiskey, and let the fluid filter through the ice to the bottom of the cup. Shake the cup slowly until a coating of a thick white frost 
forms on the outside. Trim with mints and hand to an appreciative gentleman. Oh, I love the ending. What about a yeah. what about a gentlewoman? Yeah, we'll, no, have, to, we'll have to revise <laughs> yeah. that a little bit. A I woman. agree. Um, this was from 1908. Yeah, um, but that is part of the hard part probably to make the correct mint julep yourself is the ice. You need to have that almost like shaved ice. Yes, very fine pellets. That's key. The slush. It creates that beautiful slush. In art. As always, if you want to check out that recipe, if you want to get in the spirit for the Kentucky Derby, also we had plenty of holidays and the cocktails to go with them. As always, you can check out those recipes at heritagedistilling.com. Plus, you can also check out dates for upcoming cool things like you guys have got going on in Ballard. Yeah, come on down to Ballard. Uh, We'd love to show you around and let you sample the spirits and see what's going on. Join the Cast Club. Today's our first day of being open in Ballard, so come on down today, tomorrow, all week, and uh, our official ribbon cutting will be on May 12th, but that shouldn't stop you from coming down sooner. And as always, we ask you to like us on Facebook, rate us on iTunes, and most importantly, no matter what holiday you're celebrating in the weeks to come, do it safely and come back to us safely and listen to another episode of Cast Club Radio. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.